right, Mark 13, well, we, we got all the way down uh, a couple weeks ago here, down through about verse 20, I, I believe, verse 20, uh, and except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And then he says, And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christ and false prophets shall rise, and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. And, and again, we're, we're sitting at a pivotal point in, uh, the, in, in the ministry here. Of, of the Lord, he, he's the second Olivet Discourse, he's dealing with the 12 apostles, that's who he's talking to, and he's dealing with their ministry that's going to come to them in his absence, as he, and, and they're going to minister in his absence till his second coming, and we're at a pivotal point, that's verse 14, but when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by prophets by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. And he's going to, again, pivotal point. They've been busy. They've been working. Verse 10, they're publishing the word out there amongst the nations. They're doing their thing. And then, bam, this happens. And, we, and again, we've laid, we laid out the timing of it all last time. You've got 1,260 days. 1260 days by the way that's how the lord shortened the days verse 20 as he limits it to 1260 days we've got that 30 day overlap place where a lot of things happen it's triggered by the abomination of desolation which is that setting up of the image in the temple that the false prophet has and the, and the idol worship begins to go on but then if you notice in verse 14, the, the end of it, then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains, flee, get out of town. It's time to go. Now their ministry has changed. Before it was preaching and teaching, now it's fleeing, now it's running. Then in verse 19, uh, you see the second issue. He says, for in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of creation, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. So now we have, not only are you going to be flee, when you see the abomination happen, you're going to flee. Now there's going to be a, Matthew 24, he calls it great tribulation as never seen before. Now, and again, this is coming up against the, the believing remnant, Israel, the little flock, all, and, and it's just now it's going to be on and the affliction and, and the, the persecution and the torment, the time of Jacob's trouble, is now in its most intense moment. And again, verse 20, And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he has shortened the days. If you look down at verse 22, For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders, to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. So he shortens the days. Otherwise, if he allowed the policy of evil to run its full course, there would be no flesh left standing. It would just get everybody. Then you have the third outcry here. starts in verse 21. And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not, for false Christ and false prophets shall arise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. So now we have the third, and that's the intensity of the deception program. That's why you have the books of 1 John, the little seven tests of identifying truth from error. That's why 2 John says that when the guy knocks on the door and he tells you that Christ didn't come, you better slam that. You don't even open the door. That's how they're going to be able to know why, because otherwise you're part of their folly. Verse 23, but take, ye, take, but take ye heed. Behold, I have foretold you all things. And again, so they've got, they've, there's three issues that are happening here. One, flee. 
run, get out of town. Two, the great affliction comes in, the time of great persecution from the adversary against God's people and God's program. And then the great spiritual deception is going to happen. And that is designed to seduce, to draw away. Uh, and, and again, if it was, if it even, if he didn't shorten the days, even the very elect would have gotten taken. And he does that, seduce that thing in verse twenty-two to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. The elect here, and and the issue here of the. <laughs> If the lie was allowed to run its course, then they would be taken. They would be seduced. It's a given deal. And yet when you, by the way, that's that thing in 2 Thessalonians 2 where God sends them a strong delusion and they believe a lie. And whenever you see the lying wonders, it's always designed to seduce you away. Even today, when you hear people talk about wonders and signs and all that stuff, it's designed to do what? Seduce you away from the Word of God. But before we move into all of that, this evening, I wanted to go back into verse 20 and look at that issue of the elect. And, 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 and But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And I know that last time, which was two weeks ago, I real quickly made some comments about there are four specific elections and I just want to run them with you, look at them. Just so, one, as long as the power stays on, we got them on tape. But two, just so that we're familiar with this, because when you come to your King James Bible, it defines words for you. Not all the new Bibles do this because they change the words. But if you notice, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen. So the issue of the elect has a very specific meaning to be chosen. So election has to do with things that God has chosen to do. That's what it that's what we're when we, so when we talk about according to the election of grace or according to the election of God, he has chosen to do some things. So come over with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy 5 so what happens when you get around Calvinists or theologians of any, really of any color, uh, or you, get a, you begin to deal with, with theolo theology, you get a lot of different ideas. Even amongst grace people, do you still, I call them closet Calvinists, because they don't run the flag up until you get them over here away from everybody and they get to talking. And then it's like, well, I believe that God has a preordained, you know, whatever. And you go, really? And they're grace believers, mid-acts, rightly divided, under, and yet they hide in that. But one of the things that they say is that uh, when you read the word elect, you are to only think Israel. Actually, I heard here a couple, well, I guess last year or so, that even the word saint, when you read saints, is only for Israel. It's a title only used for Israel. It's like, whoa, okay. But what happens is, is a verse like 1 Timothy 5, verse 21, tells you differently. For 5.21, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. So elect doesn't always mean Israel. Here is elect angels. The issue of uh, he has chosen some angels, those who don't fall for the satanic rebellion, he's chosen a group of angels to let's go do some things now. And so you have an elect issue here. So first you have the elect angels. Now come back with me. So, so there are four specific elections. There are four. These four are very important and Real quickly, because I want to spend more time on the other three, the elect angels here. So you have like Michael and Gabriel. You remember what Gabriel says in Daniel? There's none other than Michael that hold to this with us, those upper echelon. You've got elect angels that go and minister to Elijah. you got, you know, the, all that activity. You've got the cherubims and the uh, teraphims and the seraphims. you got all that. There's groups in there 
that God that that are on God's side, okay? But they're what? They're elect angels. So election doesn't always refer to Israel. Don't or don't let anyone ever tell you that. He's just really talking about these are the these are the this is the group that God has chosen to go do some things with and through. Come back the the second one. Come back to Isaiah 42, and this is the most important election. There's the rain. This is the most important of the elect here. By the way, I will say this. If we do lose power, I'll remake this for the Internet so we don't lose. The Internet won't lose out, but it should be here anyway. So Isaiah 42, verse 1. Because this election is where all the other elections sit. 42.1. Behold my servant whom I, and that's the Father, uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. So here you have the Father choosing who? The Son, mine elect, to now go do some things. What's he going to do? I put my spirit upon him, in whom my soul delighteth, I put my spirit upon him, there's his first coming, and he shall bring forth judgment to, there's his second coming. So the father, he says, listen, I've got some, I've chosen my son to go do some things, the elect. All right, obviously you go to Matthew 12, and you find the Lord Jesus Christ say, what Isaiah 42 is talking about is, my, is me. Again, Matthew, the behold statements. Remember those four behold statements? Matthew, behold thy king. Mark, behold thy servant. That's where we're at here. And then Luke, behold the man. John, behold God. Here he is. Behold the Lord, Jehovah. So this is the Lord Jesus Christ as God's elect. So now that tells you something that, first of all, election doesn't have does not refer to getting saved justified okay because that word salvation has a lot of the word saved just means to be rescued from harm or danger and then it, by the way the dictionary oxford's dictionary's got a whole lo- list of perils that you get saved from so but salvation in scripture has three phases justification the initial past sanctification in the moment right now in time the present and then glorification the future out there in the for glory so salvation in scripture has you got to read the context to know what he's talking about so election never ever ever in its context talks about justification if that was the case was Christ ever lost? No, he was never lost. He was never a sinner. And if you say that elect means salvation, justification, I'm going to try to use the word justification, okay, undo eternal life, then you just made the Savior a sinner. And we know that that just isn't the case. So election has to do, ultimately we'll see, hopefully, we'll see that it has to do with service. Uh, you've got Isaiah. Stick something in there. Run back with me over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. So when the only person who was born into humanity, who had his destiny predetermined out already, is the Lord Jesus Christ. All of other humanity, your destiny hasn't been determined yet. Because you determine whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell. You determine that. Not, But the Lord, all of his life, not my will, but thy will be done. With the works you see me do, I doing of the Father. You see, the Son had his life pre-planned out, and he was okay with it. He signed up to do it. 1 Peter 2, look at verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Isaiah 28 here. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, watch, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be 
confounded. Notice, here's the one who I laid in Zion, mine elect, precious, the cornerstone. I chose, he's my chosen Messiah. He's the foundation for all I'm going to do in Israel. He's Jesus Christ. That's why when we look at Israel, it'll be chosen in who? In Christ. You and I, Ephesians 1, we'll get over there in a minute. Our elect is, we're chosen before the foundation of the world, but where? Chosen in him. Why? Because the Father says, he's my guy. Everybody that's in him is part of what I'm doing. They're chosen. Okay? By the way, how do you get in Christ today? Ephesians 1.13, you hear the gospel, you believe the gospel. Christ died for your sins, buried and rose again the third day. According to the scriptures, and you're in. Now, come back to Isaiah. So the first one we looked at as elect angels, there's a whole big study behind that, and we'll do that maybe one day in, in about 20 years. Okay? Down the road, I got so much to do. I was counting today, getting ready for Romans, and I count 12 more lessons, maybe, just to get through. depends on how long we get through, you know, some of this stuff in chapter 16. And I'm like, okay, as soon as I get done with that, I want to teach some other stuff before going to 1 Corinthians. But then I'm like, nope, we got to get on 1 Corinthians because I'm already working on that. And it's like, that's going to be another five-year project, you know. Well, they're 16 chapters, and they're heavy-duty chapters. So anyway, Isaiah 41, I didn't think I told you that. So the first elect is the angels, the, the believing angels, if you will, the ones that don't fall. And then you have the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's God's, God chose his son to be the Messiah, to be the one in which he's going to work everything else through. Uh, by the way, elect, chosen, identical. Isaiah 41, verse 8. Isaiah 41, verse 8. Behold, thou Israel are my, what? Servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Notice how servant and chosen are inter- they're used together. They're connected. Israel is God's chosen. <laughs> By the way, look at verse 9. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Israel is God's chosen. It's very clear here, unless you have a theological agenda that you're trying to push. Okay? The Calvinists, in their election stuff, they say God chose this group to go to heaven. He chose this group to go to hell. Really? No wonder the pagans look at Christianity and go, you guys believe in a very vicious God, an unloving God. Why? Because they say that, and it's, that's just not the case. Israel is God's chosen. Come over to chapter 45. Chapter 45, verse 4. 45-4. By the way, under each of these... There are, well, we'll just see them, but there are, Israel is God's chosen in the earth, and then there's a bunch of people, a bunch of choosing underneath them. Body of Christ is God's chosen for the heavenly place, and then underneath it, there's a bunch of choosing. <laughs> so, there, uh, again, election, the purpose, is, the purpose of God is without repentance. He's got a plan, he's got a purpose, and he's doing something and he's using a group of people to do it. Isaiah 45, 4. And for Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. Notice, Israel mine elect. The nation of Israel is the nation that God purposefully chose to create in the earth. So, and because he chose them he gave them the title mine elect now look at verse 25 because all those in israel are not what israel so then look at verse 25 in the lord shall all the seed of israel be justified and shall glory 
Where is Israel justified? In the Lord, in Christ. So God chose his son. Then he chooses Israel to be the nation in the earth. But it's only going to be the Israel that's in his son that is going to be mine elect. So what's Israel doing? They're sharing in the son's election, the son's choosing. So the way that Israel becomes one, uh, becomes one, one of God's elect is that he chose the nation here to be redeemed, but where? In Christ. And that's the point. Mankind, no matter where you're at in history and dispensationally, they're either in Adam or they're in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're going to share his election. Come over, you're in Isaiah. Come over to chapter 65. Isaiah 65. So when you think about this issue where we're at in Mark 13, and he says, for the elect's sake. Now, next week we'll get on in, down in that passage and we'll see that over in the tribulation, guess what that's going to be? The elect is going to be there. The little flock is going to be there. And that's what he's telling them. That's why in verse 23 he says, take heed. I've foretold you all things. I've told you this. You're going to come here. You're going to go through this. And you're going to be there. Why? Because you're my elect. Isaiah 65. Look here, verse 9. Isaiah 65, 9. And I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob and out of Judah, an inheritor of my mountains. By the way, mountains in the, pro in the prophets is not always talking about superstition mountains, the physical things. Most of the time it's talking about nations, okay, people, communities. And watch, mine elect shall inherit it, and my, isn't that interesting, servants shall dwell there. Now think about this. He's got a seed coming out of Jacob and Judah. He calls them mine elect, my servants. But what does he say? They're going to dwell. They're going to inherit my mountain. This is the land. So this is the physical issue here. Verse 22. Verse 22. They shall not build and, and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. We're talking about the kingdom here, okay? This is, by the way, it's going to be enjoyed by the elect. For as the days of, the, of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Mine elect Again, same title as the Lord, but who? Israel in Christ, and what are they doing? They're sharing in the election of, of Christ, but now they're enjoying, they're reaping the bennies of the kingdom. And that's what he's getting at. Come over to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. So when you look at Israel... Israel, mine elect, the land that you're going to enjoy, Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, God only, he, the only nation he ever formed was the nation of Israel. So God here is going to talk to Israel through Moses, verse 6. For thou art a holy people, again, holy, set apart for why you were created. Sanctified is the other word, saint is the other word. Set apart for the purpose that they were created for. God set Israel apart from all the other nations in the earth. He chose them. Verse 6. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. By the way, that's why on this chart, when Dad drew it out, Israel is always up top. They're above everybody else why that's their status okay so the thing is is what they're chosen they're have you ever wondered why god gave them dietary rules clean and unclean all that food is is good for you to eat none of it's not good for you 
But why did single garment material? Why? So that, so that they would look odd. They would look different than everybody else, and people would say, "Why are you wearing that? Why, you know, why do you have black on all the time? You know, well, here's why." And they have that opportunity. Now, watch verse seven. The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all. No, I love that verse. They, what did the Pharisees and the leaders say? We're somebody. Look at how big we are. And Moses says, he didn't choose you for your number. He chose you. <laughs> he ain't about you. Uh, that, to me, that's just a wow verse, you know. By the way, most of Judaism in the Lord's day don't even know that verse ex- exists. Remember what he says? Have you not read? Don't you know what the scriptures say? That's why John the Baptist would say of those stones he can make, sons of Abraham. It isn't about you descendantly. Now it's about you spiritually. You need to be born again. Why? You need to be in Christ because that's where the elect, the chosen ones, are going to be. Verse 8. Now watch this. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, that's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the covenant, Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt? Because he chose Israel, again, through the covenant relationship. That's why he chose them. He made that covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he's doing something with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the seed line. And he says, because of that, you guys... You exist because I chose to do this over here through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's descendants. Now come to chapter 12. All right? Chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 13. Take heed to thyself, now watch, that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in in every place that thou seest. They couldn't worship God anywhere. Just anywhere. They had to worship God in a a specific place, verse 14. But in the place which the Lord shall, what? Isn't that interesting? Choose. And one of the tribes where thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, and there thou shalt do all that I command you. Notice that they could only worship in the place that God chose. God didn't just let them out there and do whatever, he, not only does he choose the nation, but he also chose a place for that nation to exist in the earth. So now, not only do you have Israel, mine elect, but now you got the land that he promised to them through who? Through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That land over there is now what? A land of election. It's a land of choosing. The nation, a nation is made up of borders, language, and culture, a people group. But do you know what they have to have in order to have the three? You know what they have to have? Land. They have to have a place to live in. And that's what he's doing here, Genesis 10. Genesis 13 to 15, he looks at Noah, I'm sorry, Abraham with Lot. Go pick the land out there. Now look at verse 21. If the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to put his name there be too far from thee. Well, where did he choose? See, that land, see, the place, a place for them to be. By the way, then thou shalt kill of thy herd and of thy flock which the Lord has given thee as I have commanded thee, and thou shalt eat in thy gates whosoever thy soul lusteth after. The point is, is God chose Israel, but then he also chose the land, the place, for them to be. Come on over to chapter 14. So you get this big heading, Israel, God's elect, and then now you got the land as God's elect. So not only does he pick out the people group, the nation of Israel, But now he's going to come up underneath there, and he's going to start putting in. Deuteronomy 14. 
verse 1. Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourselves, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. A peculiar. Usually when we think about peculiar, we think about weird, strange. Paul's peculiar. Okay? You know, Rick's peculiar. But actually, the definition in the dictionaries just means to belong to. Peculiar to you. Okay, Titus 2, Paul calls us a peculiar people. You see, we look weird to the world, don't we? But we don't look weird to him. We, look, we belong to him. One who belongs to God because he what? Chose them. So you have the elect angels, you have the elect son in Christ, and you have the elect of Israel, that believing remnant, they're in Christ. Then he's going to elect them for the land. See? Now, number four, come over to Ephesians 1. And again, Israel is the earthly people. God God, he's, he, he's formed those two agencies. By the way, he's forming the two agencies where? On the earth. Okay? The earthy people, Israel, their job and their choosing is for to have, to reclaim dominion over the earth and the government of the earth. That's why the 12 apostles, those 12 tribes judging the 12, uh, the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes. By the way, he chose them, remember? He says, I chose, I, we'll look at it in just a minute. I chose you, okay? He, then he's creating the agency called the body of Christ, the heavenly people. We're going to have dominion over the government of the heavens. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Now, that would be wonderful, the verse but it doesn't, it doesn't end there. It says where? In Christ. Verse 4, according as he hath chosen us, critical two words, in my Bible I've circled them, where? In him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. Again, set apart. Why is he creating the church, the body of Christ? Fill up the heavenly places. He's chosen us in him. How do I get in him? Verse 13, I hear, I, uh, in whom you also trusted, after that you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom after that you believe. You're sealed with the Holy You believe the gospel, and you're in. See? But what does he say? When did he choose to create the agency called the church, the body of Christ? Before the foundation of the world. If you hold on here and run back to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Uh, in Matthew 25, verse 31, the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. By the way, elect angels, there we go. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and he divides out the Gentile nations. Verse 34, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. A little different. We... The agency, the church, the body of Christ is before the foundation of the world. So we're going to share God's purpose in Christ. And again, the way you become one of the elect today is the gospel. That's it. There's no other way to do it. Because what's he choosing today? He's doing the church, the body of Christ. Now, come over to Colossians 3. Because we, get, we, have, a, we have a title and it's called the elect. That's our title. Just by the way, just as saints is our title for us. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Who are you? The elect of God. That's your title. Why? Because I was chosen in him before the foundation of the world. He's doing the body of Christ. And because I trusted in Calvary and the finished work of his activity... 
for my sin and sins, and I'm in. Okay? Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. By the way, on your way, stop at 1 Thessalonians 1. 1 Thessalonians 1. The election of God, the elect of God. 1 Thessalonians 1, when we were studying it here, I made mention of it. It's fascinating how many doctrines in the book of Thessalonians, one of Paul, I, I believe he wrote Galatians first, but Thessalonians, you can, tie, you can actually identify Thessalonians, okay, where it was written first. But the doctrines that Paul mentions, but he never goes into detail over, because they already have understanding for it. You take chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, in the back half of that chapter, and he just rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. He just nails them. He doesn't know dissertation on what they are. Here's another one. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse, well, verse 1. Paul and Silvanius and Timotheus under the church of Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, now watch, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not. See how he just mentions it and just keeps going? Nothing more there. He just keeps going. You know why? They already understand the election of God. Only us nitwits today argue about the elect of God and the election of God. I'm sorry. It's amazing. It's like that thing in 1 Timothy 3 about without contra- controversy is the mystery of godliness, and everybody wants to argue about it, and the context tells you what he's talking about, which is the local assembly. And it's like, it just is nuts. Titus 1. It's just fascinating here. They understood that they are a part of what God has chosen to do. That's who they are, the elect. What is the election of God? Today, the forming of the church, the body of Christ. Time past, the forming of the nation of Israel, specifically the believing remnant. In the future, ages to come, the ratification, the, the, the erratic, they're getting rid of the dross, the rebel, and leaving the true Israel of God. Getting rid of the apostate, and here's the believing remnant. Okay, Why? They're the elect. But where are they? In Christ. Titus 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, an apostle, I'm sorry, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Notice that. Notice Paul's apostleship is according to the faith of God's elect. The faith, that body of doctrine of God's elect. The doctrine that Paul is preaching that was previously hid but now made manifest, verse 3, it has to do with God's elect, the purpose, the plan that God has for the body of Christ. He has that truth, the acknowledging of the truth. It's coming from what? God has chosen the agency. Again, in the earth, Israel, yes, where we're at in Mark 13, but he's chosen the, he- the body for the heavenly, and guess what we're called? The elect. What's, what's Mark 13, 20? The elect's sake. You and I, the elect. Now come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because what begins to happen is, as people begin to bring in this thing called the sovereignty of God. The sovereign free will of God. And you know, none of that's in Scripture, okay? But God is sovereign, and he does have a free will, okay? But it's not in Scripture. Why? Because it doesn't need to be there. So what do they do? Well, 1 Corinthians 1. 
they begin to talk about God's sovereign free will and how he can, and only he can preordain the life map and blah, blah, blah. Well, for Israel, he did some of that. For the son, obviously he did. But for you and I, he doesn't do that. Okay? Look at verse 21. By the way, just a little wisdom. If you, read, if you have a question about something, put it in the back of your mind, keep reading. I'm assuming you're reading your Bible. Okay, and sometimes you may read through something two or three times, and in one time the mind goes, hey, that's the answer to that question, dummy. And there it is. Watch verse 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Isn't that interesting? World, if you operate under worldly wisdom, you'll never know God. Now watch the rest of the verse, because here's the sovereign free will of the God of heaven and earth. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Isn't that interesting? You know what pleased God? It was to save them that believe. But what's the foolishness of preaching? Well, go back up to verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, what? Foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You see the foolishness of preaching, verse 21, it pleased God by the foolishness of preach, the preaching of what? The cross. You see, when you have the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection, which is 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Never leave that out, by the way. Okay? When you believe that, you know what he says? You're saved. You trust him. He's your savior. The world says, that's foolishness. God says, that's my wisdom. Isn't that interesting? So Christ is the central issue in the issue of the elect. So Christ, he's, the, he's mine elect. You have the elect angels. But Israel in Christ is his, his elect, the church, the body of Christ, obviously the body of Christ we're where, in Christ, is his elect. Now come over to Romans 9. Because when we studied Romans 9, one of the things we did here in this passage was we allowed the Apostle Paul to describe what the purpose of election is all about. God has a purpose that really never changes whether you participate in it or not is up to you whether you believe it or not is up to you his purpose is ongoing it never changes now look at 9 verse 11 Romans 9 verse 11 now again we're not going to get into all the doctrinal elements but I want you to notice something for the children being not yet born that's Isaac and Jacob that's Esau Ishmael. So we're back before, okay? Neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So here, so before Isaac and Jacob, because that's where the promise runs, they weren't born. And yet God says, this isn't about their works. This is about what I'm going to do. Okay? See that? The election might stand not of works. Whose works? Isaac and Jacob. Their activity. They're not even a bad thought yet. Okay? But of him, who's that? God. That what? That calleth. What did he do? He chose Abraham. He called Abraham out. Said, you're my guy. Ab let's go. And let's do this. Now watch verse 12, because here's what the purpose according of God according to election. It was said unto her, okay? Now this is Genesis 25, and this is Rachel. The elder shall save the younger. Serve the... Nobody objected in line in here, but hopefully online they're like, no. The elder shall what? Serve the 
the younger. The purpose of God according to election, again, it's what God says he was going to, what he's going to do, what's to happen. Before the boys were born, no works on their part, no merit on their part, God made a choice, and the choice was the elder, Ishmael, Esau, is going to do what? Serve the younger. So election is a choosing of God on the principle of service always. It is never justification unto eternal life. Do you, do you see how he did that? Now, again, we're not getting into all the doctrinal discussions you get over in Romans 11, and you've got all that, that election of, of grace and so forth. He's got a purpose. So if you will just remember that election has to do with a choosing of a group of people to service. Because he's got a group of angels, he's got a group in Israel, and he's got a group to church the body of Christ. So election is, is a choosing of a group of people to service. John 15. John 15. John 15, we're in the upper room. We, when we went through here, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, really 17 as well, is all in the upper room, one night event. But in John 15, Judas is left. He's off to go do his betrayal. In 1515, they're in the upper room. There's The 11 are there. 1515, henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things. Now watch. Why does he call them friends? For all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. The servant doesn't know everything, but the friend does. See how he did that? Are they servants? Yes. But now they're servants operating in full knowledge, full understanding. Well, understanding, I guess, until after the cross. But he calls them friends. Now watch verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, ye, the apostles. He is not talking to anybody but the apostles. I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth what? Fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it. Notice. He chose them to for what? Service. Go get fruit. They're already justified. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been in the upper room. Judas has left when he says this to them. So obviously, you know, there's a great question about whether Judas was saved or not. Obviously, he's, he's not because he's not here when the Lord shifts them from servants to friends, exposes everything, and then says, I chose you. I chose you because I have a job for you to do. I chose you so you can go out and get up that believing remnant, get that little flock moving and going. Why? Because tough times are coming. And you guys got to have to go through that abomination of desolation. And you got to get through the great tribulation part of the persecution and the deception. And then you're going to go into the kingdom and you're going to reap the bennies. Why? Because you're in me. Because I chose you. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You see, he chose the leader. So you, really here you have the election of the twelve, if you will. Here. Verse 27. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. They've been going since the very beginning. By the way, what did they learn in Matthew 19? They're 12, sitting on 12 thrones, judging this. He chose the leadership. Now come to Acts 9. So in Israel, he chose the leaders. Now watch Acts 9. By the way, same thing for Paul. In the body of Christ. You have the road to Damascus event here. Saul of, by the way, according to Acts 26, Saul was converted and commissioned right here on the road to, to, on the road to Damascus. 
Notice verse 15. He's going to talk to Ananias. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he, and that's Saul of Tarsus, i.e. Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Notice the order is all out of order. Okay? What does he do? He, he chose one to be the leader of the body of Christ. He chose 12 to be the leader. By the way, in Acts 1, when they choose Matthias, who chose Matthias? The Holy Spirit did. You are chosen. I chose you. You be it. <laughs> okay? So, come over to Titus, Titus 2, just real quick here. Very interesting little play here. So, you have a choosing. You have the Lord Jesus Christ, mine elect. He's the central, he's the main one. Israel in Christ, so the believing remnant, the little flock, are chosen. The land they're going to live in is chosen. The 12, the leadership is chosen. Then you have the church, the body of Christ. Chosen where? In him, but for the heavenly places. And the Apostle Paul is chosen. And if you trust Christ, Calvary, the shed blood, the, the, the gospel, you become a participant within that same event. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Okay, belonging to him. Finish the verse. Zealous of what? Of good work, of service. See, good works is service. So what you have there, again, salvation, never, 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 justification unto eternal life. Salvation, I'm sorry, election, has always to do with service. That group of people chosen to service. Now, an objection gets raised. Come over to 2 Thessalonians 2 because of this verse. Because what happens, and over the years when I've dealt with Calvinists, eventually we end up in this verse. Because of how the, what the verse says, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. See, Rick, there it is. You've been chosen to salvation. See? So God, before the foundation of the world, chose this group of people to justification and this group of people to go to hell. But that's, is that what we're talking about here? What is the salvation here? The choosing, obviously, beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. What are we talking about here? Okay. Well, what, are, what is the salvation? What are we being saved from? Well, the context of verse 3 to 12 is where we're at in Mark 13, which is the 70th week of Daniel and the wrath and the Antichrist and the whole program. You see, clearly, it says what? You're chosen unto salvation through sanctification, but yet what does the context do for you? It helps you identify that the salvation isn't past phase one justification. It isn't phase two presently. It's phase three, the glory side of it, because chapter one of 1 Thessalonians, we are delivered from the wrath to come. So clearly that's what we're doing. So the salvation in the context here isn't about us being saved unto justification. It's about us being delivered from the wrath. Now look at verse 14 if you're, you're a nitwit. I mean, if you're hard-headed. I'm sorry, I should be nice. Look at verse 14. Whereunto he called you by our gospel. By the way, verse 13, the, from the beginning. The beginning of what? Okay? The beginning of what? The beginning of the world? No, because you weren't there. So the beginning of what? Well, verse 14, whereunto he called you by, by what? Our gospel. Has Paul's gospel always been preached? 
Well, no. If you're a dispensational Bible study, you know the answer to that is no. That's why Calvin hate the Calvinists hate dispensational Bible study because they know that the beginning of is dealing with Paul and the, the beginning of the dispensation of grace to the obtaining of glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a time when Paul's gospel began to be preached. Okay? So the beginning in verse 13 is the beginning of the dispensation of grace, the forming of the body of Christ. All right? God has chosen the body to be delivered, saved from, delivered from the wrath to come. How does he do it? By my gospel. You see that? He called you. How are you called? Somebody says, oh, I was called to do this. No, how are you called? You're called by hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, trusting the gospel. We're a part of, we're a part of the glory, the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, these, this verse 14, and well, verse 13 and 14, great pre-trib rapture verses. We just need to keep them clear, okay? So when you're a Bible believer, you know, everybody, are you a Calvinist or Arminianist? I'm neither nor. I am a Bible-believing dispensational person. The issue here, and again, this verse gets used because, no, what does it read? <laughs> Obtaining the salvation, and you know, it's like, wait a second. But in the context, it's phase three, not phase one. Okay, go back to Mark 13. Mark 13. So election, when he says he shortened the days for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he has shortened the days. The issue of election is the forming of an agency that's, got, that's going to serve a purpose. Again, in Christ. Israel in Christ, the believing remnant. Okay? That's what the early ministry of the Lord, the earthly ministry and early acts is all about. One, create. Yes, they got to be a descendant, but they also have to have the spiritual issues fixed, the born again issues. Okay? John 1 11, came into his own, his own received him not. But, verse 12, as many as received him, what did he do? To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. And then the. the the very next verse, verse 13, which is the verse I always, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There's the born again issue. Their spiritual condition is fixed. And that's what that's all about. That's where we're at here in Mark 13. This, the same little flock of believers that he's talking to in Mark 13, he's telling them, you're going to go into the tribulation, Okay, and the satanic seduction attack is going to come and try to destroy you. And he's warning them. If you look there at Mark 13, 22, he's warning them against it, about it. And, if, and again, if he was to let it run its course, go all the way out, it would get, it would get them all. But he, does, he shortens it. Mark 13, 22. For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce. And again, that's the purpose of the sign and wonder program is to seduce, to draw you away from what's right. Seduction is a, it's designed is to draw you away from what's right with the promise of a delightful experience that is going to cause them to try and find God through things experience rather than his word and that's what we're going to pick up next time because the hour's up and we made it okay so the issue of election there's four main ones in scripture the lord jesus christ israel the body of christ and then the angels and again under israel and us there are like israel the land the leaders the purpose, the plan, and everything, same with us, okay? Now, next time, we'll get into verse 21, 22 here 
and we'll see the seduction plan and we'll see all that worked out because again the whole design of the program the wonder program sign and wonder program is designed to pull you away from God's word and try to find God in the energy of your own flesh and that's even the case today okay all right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the look into them. And we thank you for the election according to your purpose and your plan. In your name we pray, amen.